As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. America. This is Remember the Fallen from COVID-19 on KLRNRadio.net, and I am Sergeant Dave Matthews at gmail.com in the Revitalizing Lives and Remember the Fallen studio in beautiful Seminole County, USA on the Winter-Spring Govito line. You see, we have adjusted our fire format to cover this pandemic for the freedom of justice. I feel we all have this gut feeling that we can't believe what is revolving around us as Americans decide on who to believe. I only can hope that podcasts like these and others on klrnradio.net will live up to our slogan where liberty and reason still reign as you make up your mind in this uncertainty. We start tonight's show with the title, Hallways of Death. Due to the horrific, most recent statistic that just came out today that 41% of all deaths in the United States came from nursing homes and assisted livings. Now, if you've been following the podcast, we did a show on the 80 veterans residents sickened with the CCP virus. And why do we call it that? Our most vulnerable and precious population did not survive the valley of the shadow of death. And at the time, it was the deadliest known outbreak at a long care facility at the soldier's home in Holyoke, Mass. Now here's the rift between Martha McCollum, Fox News, and Seema Verma out of the Administration of Health and Medical and Medicaid Department. And here's how it went last night on the Fox News. We have focused a lot on the story on one of the most important and largest parts of the tragic coronavirus deaths that have happened in America. Yes, we know that the virus attacks the old primarily, but the level of acceptance, and in some rare cases, what appears to have been outright negligence that led to some of these deaths certainly cries out for some inquiry and some investigation. So it's easy to see that something is just not right in some of these situations. And we owe these people, the veterans among them and their families, some answers that are better perhaps than this one that we heard today from the governor of New York. He was asked about the 139 New Yorkers in long-term care who died, and that was just on Saturday. Here's what he said. Say to families who've suffered losses inside nursing homes and they're looking for accountability and they'd like to see justice. How do we get justice for those families who had 139 deaths? What is justice? Who can we prosecute 
for those deaths. Nobody. Older people, vulnerable people, are going to die from this virus. And that is a fact. And that is not going to change. New Yorkers died in nursing homes of COVID-19. And new nationwide data says that 41% of all the deaths in America from this virus are traced to nursing homes or assisted living facilities, 41%. So joining me now is the person in charge of overseeing these facilities at the federal level, administrator for the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, Seema Verma, also a member, of course, of the White House Task Force uh, on the virus. Thank you so much for being here tonight, um, Seema. Good to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to see you, Martha. So, good to see you. So, what's your reaction? You know, when you hear that from Governor Cuomo, and I've spoken to families who have lost loved ones in this situation, um, that is not a, a statement from him that is going to give many of them a whole lot of comfort. Martha, every life is precious, and that's why this administration started very early in making sure that we were doing everything we can to keep nursing home residents safe. They deserve that. Um, older individuals have taken care of us our, their whole lives, and they deserve to be respected and to be protected. So I guess when you say you've been doing everything that you can, I'm curious what that exactly means. Um, what have you, from the federal perspective, mandated? Did you mandate testing right away? Did you surge tests to all of these facilities around the country right away? That's one question that I have. What, what did you mandate in terms of testing? And when? Starting, so, so starting from a broad oversight, from the very beginning, we recognized that nursing homes were going to be vulnerable. And we put out a series of guidance and recommendations to our nursing homes we also have been working with state and local officials. Um, just as level set, the responsibility and oversight of nursing homes is both the federal and state government. On the federal level, we set the guidelines, and the states are actually boots on the ground. They do the inspections, and they're responsible for licensing. And one of the things that we did very so early you only on, do. Let me just clarify that. So you are not. You would say that you do not have any ability to mandate anything that happens at these facilities? Is that what you're saying? You so cannot federal, mandate anything at them? The federal government sets requirements. And so if a nursing home is in violation of any of those requirements, there's obviously sanctions or civil monetary penalties. And we also have the ability to revoke our Medicare and Medicaid payment. But the licensing right. of these exactly. facilities and their ability to, um, to operate rests with the state. So it's a joint federal-state partnership. All right, so one of the things that I've heard from people that I've spoken to at nursing homes is that uh, in the beginning, they couldn't get the tests that they wanted. Then when they got the tests that they wanted, it would take at least a week to turn them around. Um, so they would have patients together in these sometimes close quarters uh, where, you know, they're waiting a week, and by that point, it's too late. And the, the disease, is, the virus has begun to spread, you know, throughout that entire hallway. So why is it, you know, having seen what we saw in Italy, we knew that the first hotspot was Washington State in the home there. Why wasn't it that the, the best tests that we had were not surged to these, these facilities, which we knew housed the most vulnerable population in the whole country, right away? And one of the things that we called on you know, weeks ago is a call to action for state and local leaders 
to emphasize and to work with nursing facilities to make sure that they had access to testing. One of the things that we did on the federal level was to increase reimbursement for testing and actually for the first time pay for labs to go out to nursing homes to collect samples. So on the federal level, we've, we've made that recommendation, we've called to action, and you've seen a response to that. We've seen governors across the country testing their nursing homes. Um, you've seen that increase in reimbursement, and because of that, we're seeing more and more nursing homes being tested. But today, we issued guidelines for state and local officials yeah. and nursing homes about reopening. And as right, part but of it that sounds like you've decided to stop short of mandating any of it. You know, I'm looking at a quote from the president. He was asked if he wanted to consider a nationwide mandate for testing at nursing homes last week. And he said, I would mandate it if you'd like. I think it's an important thing to do. Um, and we know that, that Vice President Pence has talked about it, too. But up to this point, can you just clarify for me that the federal government has not mandated that these facilities test and provided them with the ability to do so. Is that a correct statement? We put these recommendations and guidelines for states and for the nursing homes. We talked to the nursing home associations. They're supportive of these efforts. Governors are supportive of these efforts. But if we felt like there wasn't compliance and we could move towards a requirement, but at this time we feel like the recommendation right. around testing as a baseline. So we not only want to test the residents, but we also want to make sure that all of the healthcare staff in that nursing facility is also tested as right. well. And that's going to create no, a I mean, Everybody wants to make sure that that's what's happening, but from what I'm learning, looking into this, it's, it's spotty. Um, some places don't have the test they need, some places did have the test that they need. Um, with regard to the other question that I have, you know, that we, in the initial surge of this, when we knew these were the most vulnerable places in the whole country, and then we built these FEMA facilities with a lot of extra beds. And then it was, you know, sort of good news that all the beds weren't needed. And in some cases, we have pictures of all of these um, going up, these incredible facilities that we heard about. And then, um, you know, May, uh, April 30th, you have the Comfort in New York City, which was converted to be a COVID facility sailing away from New York at that point. Why was, and, and if, if the answer is that this is not a federal question, it, it really falls to the governor, and I've asked, you know, New York officials this as well, but what do you say to why those individuals weren't taken out of the nursing homes where they were infecting people all up and down their corridor and put in these places that were such a wonderful facility that was built by the Army Corps of Engineers? That's right, and, and Martha, it's very clear, federal guidelines make it very clear that when you are discharging a patient from the hospital, there's the obligation to make sure that that patient is being discharged, whether it's going home or going back to the nursing home, that the nursing home has the capacity to deal with those patients. And so if a nursing home is saying, we're not able to accept that patient, then that's something that has to be taken into consideration. When doctors and hospitals are discharging patients from hospitals, they have to make sure that we are discharging the patient to a place that can accommodate their needs. And if that person is still uh, testing positive, then they need yeah. to be isolated, and we need to make sure that that isolation and care yeah. can continue in the most appropriate setting. Well, we know that in New York and New Jersey, the epicenter of the virus, uh, both of those governors um, insisted that those patients, when they were released from hospitals, went back into the nursing homes. And I haven't been able to get a, quite an answer to why they weren't sent to these other facilities, because we know that once they went back to these places, they infected other people um, who, you know, some of whom ended up dying as a result of that. So it's, it's tragic, um, and it is, you know, in my mind, one of the most important 
questions to be answered in this whole thing. 40% of the people we've lost have been in these nursing homes. Um, Seema Verma, thank you very much. Good to speak with you tonight. Thank you, Martha. Thanks for having me tonight. And once again, I have Mark, my intern co-host, and he's here to evaluate this poignant issue. Now, in the interest of transparency, Mark, let's get to the heart of the issue. This is a bipartisan problem, and let's focus more on people than politics. So with that being said, did our federal government react in a timely, decisive, and effective manner, once again, these critical components, to a proper response? So with these critical responses, I reiterate, decisive, timely, and effective manner. How do you feel? How do you elaborate on that, Mark? Well, I think both the, uh, starting with the federal government, all the way down to the state, county, and federal, local governments dropped the ball. Both of them made a lot of mistakes. It, it starts at the federal and goes all the way down to the lowest form of government. So there's plenty of blame to go around. Another thing I want to get to is while there was some missteps at the, uh, at, by the federal government, you know, the whole thing with the hallways of death where people were lined up in hallways because they're running out of room, they got them like a bunch of people crammed into individual rooms where they instead of spread out because they've got lack of staffing in a lot of facilities. Okay, now I've experienced it personally. Last year, I went to visit my aunt, yeah, Audrey Stone, mm -hmm. in a retirement home. And I watched how close they were in hallways. And they had a big group area where they were basically bed to bed in a big circle because they, you could tell they were lack of staff so they could monitor them. So the same thing was happening during COVID-19. Right. So this is personal to me. And and just so that's why we had to do the show, Mark. We yeah. had to do the show. Go ahead. It was a moral imperative. Uh, yeah, well, we've talked about mistakes and missteps at the federal level. It seems to me that there were more mistakes made at the state, county, and local level. For instance, New York is a basket case right now. Everybody knows it. And they're trying to spin it and pedal it. You can put all the lipstick you want on a pig, and a pig is still a pig at the end of the day. So, for instance... One big screw-up was the feds had to step in and provide resources and assistance where the states were ill-prepared or, at worst, incompetent. They didn't have their, they didn't bring their game at all. They, their stockpiles were all depleted. They didn't have anything. And then when President Trump or, the, or anyone else in the federal government stepped in to help them, when they looked at FEMA and other government organizations that are meant to help in things like that, our stockpiles had been depleted at the federal level. So there was this massive, what now is being called the biggest medical movement or uh, mobilization in American history. This is like World War II level type stuff that had to happen in order to address this, these issues. Okay. Now, let's bring up what Martha McCollum said. You know, the ship Comfort was in the harbor, right? Mm -hmm. Why couldn't they go ahead and just pay the, the emergency, the EMTs, to get them on an ambulance and get them onto that ship instead of putting them back into those retirement homes. That was the mistake. They should have put them in these Army Engineer Corps hospitals that were made all over the country, but instead they put them back in the hallways of death. Well, I think that the most gentle thing to say would be that it was incompetence that caused the problem at the state level. Uh, why Governor Cuomo issued his orders in New York to like basically put these people into nursing homes knowing they were infected, which causes the pandemic to go get blown right out of the water and a bunch of people got sick. Or 
at worst, it could have even been done intentionally. I know that a lot of people wouldn't want to believe that, but I have to ask the question. It's only fair. Was it done intentionally because elderly people or people that are compromised medically are considered a liability, a drag on the medical system? Kind of like the thinning of the herd. And although it's kind of hard to stomach, there are people in the government that we know for sure that have that type of mindset. Go ahead, Dave. You bring up a good point. Look what happened at the soldiers' home in Holyoke, Mass. Oh, that was a mess. 80 veterans. How much money did the VA save when they lost 80 veterans within a two-week period? Oh, well, tons. Yeah, you picture at least, what, 3000 yeah. a month. Now, times that by 80. And then any other type of disabilities that were creating the system, dragging the system down, all the medical stuff. You imagine the millions of dollars and liabilities. V- and the liabilities. And maybe that's why the VA did ha- didn't have the proper guidelines for that Holyoke Mass Soldiers Home. Well, I, I would say that that may very well be possible, but I would stop short of actually making an accusation. I think we need to let the, the facts of the case bore out. Uh, that That's a pretty radical step to go that far with it. So I, I want to I wait a while and see what, what happens and, and how things are handled now. Now that we know what the problem is, it seems like we're getting a handle on it. I want to see... Like I said, all the way from the federal level down to the local level. I'm seeing how the governments work together and respond to this whole thing. It's called thinning of the ranks, Mark. That's what it's called. Not the herd. Thinning of the ranks when it comes to veterans. I'm sorry. I've seen it. I've talked to uh, other doctors about it, clinical psychologist doctors. Dr. G from PTSD that she was done, and she used the same term. It's thinning of the ranks. That's right. Well, you know, I just thought of this, too. One of the things since I got into the VA medical system and we've been treated by the VA, I noticed that there was a real problem. Like, there used to be a real problem with uh, pain pills, opioids and things of that nature, where the VA at one point was handing out prescriptions for that and other harmful drugs to compensate for people's problems like they were coming out of a Pez dispenser. And they ended up, a lot of veterans died as a result of that because they had drug interaction effects killed them or they pickled their livers or both. And then they wanted to blame it on the veterans that they had a substance use problem. Well, thank you. You created one of them. And a lot of the veterans weren't properly educated in terms of the reaction between anything they were doing on the side and what the medication would do. And they were too free with the pivot off the meds because there are medications that I had a bad reaction that almost uh, almost took me down that the VA had to take me off of and put in my records, do not prescribe this to him because I had a bad reaction to it. I had a drug interaction. It actually caused me to have a seizure. And they were like, well, we've been prescribing this for years. I said, well, yes, but just because you're prescribing something for years doesn't mean that it's safe. You need to do your due diligence. You need to do your homework and find out how this is really affecting veterans' lives. Now, Mark, you mentioned earlier that you also, too, have a personal side to this story. Can you share that with the audience? Sure. Just three real quick bullet points I'd like to make is, for starters, my mother has cancer, and she's on a maintenance dose of chemo. My father has a heart condition. And they both have other related medical issues that put them in a compromised condition, plus they're both elderly. Okay, now there's many veterans that fall into both of those categories, both or at least one of those categories, either elderly or compromised or both. And the third point I'd also like to make is I, as a disabled veteran, am more vulnerable than the average population because of medical issues that I have going on. So you quite say this is a very real present threat to me personally, my personal well-being, not just the people that are close to me. So what are the lessons learned? What did we really learn from this train wreck? Well, I think that we need a proper pandemic reaction plan. That's a good thing. An action plan customized to fit each the needs of all the way down to the local level. 
and at-risk groups, which is the nursing homes, assisted living facilities, et cetera, because they were the biggest. They showed the biggest casualties, or infection numbers, and the biggest fatality numbers. Second, we need to to stockpile and prepare resources and people with a rapid reaction capability and re, uh, flexibility all around the U.S. and globally to reach not only the United States, CONUS, contiguous states, but U.S. territories around, like such as Puerto Rico and Samoa, etc. And then third, and this might be in some people's mind the most important, we need to start making an example out of people. We need to hold people accountable for what happened here because I think there may be charges of negligent homicide in some cases where people really cause people to die and it can be proven in a court of law. I'm not saying it's definitely going to go there, but that is something that has to be considered if we're really going to take this seriously because you need to send the message loud and clear that this isn't going to be tolerated anymore. All right, it's getting zero, Doc, 30 for the show. And before I relax, never, and go into rack ops mode, go to SergeantDaveMatthews at gmail.com. That's S-G-T-D-A-V-E-M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S at gmail.com for suggestions for the next podcast content. And you can always comment me on my Twitter handle, at Heroic Memorials, Sergeant Dave at Heroic Memorials. And you can like me on my Facebook page. By the way, that's an order, all one word. Now, remember the fallen, all one word, remember the fallen. Well, until all our troops come back safe from Afghanistan, come visit the show. We also have Revitalizing Lives on klrnradio.net. And share with your patriotic friends. All right, this for this former ground pounder would really appreciate that. All right, fall out, pop, smoke, out. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.